This is Women's Leadership Success, episode number 109. Are you passionate about your job? Do you wake up in the morning full of joy and excitement about your work and the contributions you're going to make? If your answer is yes, congratulations. You have career fulfillment, or what my special guest calls juicy work. If your answer is lukewarm to no, I have some good news for you. My guest is an expert in how to change your job from blah to one of joy and excitement. And if you already have juicy work, this interview will help you encourage other people to find work that they love too. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. Hello, this is Sabrina Brahm with Women's Leadership Success radio podcast. And today I'm delighted to have as my guest Sandy Mobley, who's written a great book called Juicy Careers. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks, Sabrina. It's nice Uh, to be here. Sandy, um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you happened to to, uh, write this book. Well, it was because my career didn't start out easy. When I went to school, I was good at math, so I just stayed in that field ended up getting a master's in it. And then I said, what do I do now? I had a minor in computer science. So there were lots of jobs programming. So I did that until I got bored with it. And then I said, so I can't just be bored. I need work that brings me alive. Uh So I went back to school, got an MBA and learned about leadership development. And I thought, ah, that's much more aligned with what I want to do. So I joined a computer company, Hewlett Packard, who revered all of my technology skills and took a risk putting me into training and development, even though I had no background in it. Wow. And then I just kept making successive choices to bring me closer to doing my juicy work. So what is juicy work? It's work that feels like breathing. It's effortless. It brings you joy. It's waking up on Monday morning and eager to go to work and make a difference. And I think at the deepest level, it's work that comes from your soul. It's your life purpose. You know, it it seems like a lot of people aren't doing juicy work. Do you have any idea how many people are actually doing work that they feel really excited about, really good about? I wish I knew a percentage, but I'd say maybe 30%. Wow. Yeah. And when you were talking about, you know, getting the degrees and getting these jobs and it wasn't the right job. And I just, I've coached so many people like that. And I know so many people like that. And nowadays it's, it, it's really expensive if you're uh, getting degrees and things that don't really feel like a natural kind of work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, 
that's challenging, isn't it? it? You know, I was just thinking the Gallup organization did a study on the levels of engagement and they found that fewer than, I believe it's 15% of people are truly engaged in their work. Right. That, that makes a lot of st- sense. And in your book, you talk about um, defining your strengths. What, what, what does that mean and how do you do that? Well, you know, I find in coaching that that's what clients have the hardest time recognizing. Because when we have a strength, we think everyone has it. And that's often what gets people into trouble because they think if it's easy for them, it will be easy for someone else. Uh-huh. So what I do is I have them look at past performance appraisals and do 360s and tease out of that what other people see as their strengths. If they don't have that, I have them go interview five or six people and ask them, what do you see that I'm particularly good at? And then you find out, you start seeing it and you realize that it is not something to be taken for granted. It's unique, it's special, and the more you leverage it, the more effective you're going to be. And what do you find changes for people when they start paying attention to their strengths? Well, joy, just joy. Work is more effortless. Uh And they're better able to say, here's what I like to do, here's what I'm good at, and to ask their management for more of the work they love and not feel badly about things they're not good at. Okay. In the book, you talk about a sweet spot. Is that, is that related to that? It is. Yeah. The sweet spot is where your strengths, your passion and the right environment come together in those three overlapping Venn diagrams. Wow. Do you have any suggestion or exercise that, we could do to make sure we're we're in our sweet spot? Well, there are a couple of things, and I'll give you some examples. Think about what you're passionate about. Well, I'm passionate about singing. I love to sing, but it's not a strength. I'm okay. I could sing in the church choir, but I'm not going to be on American Idol. So that's not an overlap. If you're passionate, but you're not skilled, it's not going to be that sweet spot. Likewise, I'm very skilled as a programmer, but I don't wake up in the morning eager to write code. So there again, there's not an overlap. So I love to work with people. I love to present. I love to coach. I'm passionate about helping people find work they love. There's a good overlap. But then the third piece is the environment. So you think about what kind of environment would you be great in? And I'm not great with a lot of government agencies because many people there choose security over something they're passionate about. And they don't even think about that. Or I could work in an organization where people get a lot of opportunities to grow, but often they burn out, they move too fast, or they don't have time with their family. So that, again, doesn't make for well-rounded people. So the environment that I'm best in is having my own business so I can choose the clients that align with my values. So the, the sweet 
can you give us the three things that will help us to understand if we're in the sweet spot? Yes, your strengths. Uh huh. It's something you're passionate about. Right. And you're working in an environment that brings out the best in you. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and is that possible to find that? I mean, how, how can we actually develop that kind of job for ourselves? Oh, absolutely. Of course it is. I do it with hundreds of people every year. Uh-huh. And often they have one or two of the three, but not the third piece that if they link that, they're going to be happy. So they might have a great company. They love the company. They're very skilled at the work they do, but they have no passion for it. So we spend time delving into what they really care about. And if the company reveres them, they'll often let them move to another position that plays to their passion. So it doesn't have to be a total refit. Sometimes it's just a little movement. Just a, yeah. And I guess before you can actually make something like this happen, you have to be aware of what it is you want. And then you have to find a way to ask for that. Absolutely. That's key. Mm -hmm. Many people don't ask for what they want. Yeah. So if you think of one success tip, don't you see that that, that that makes all the difference for the people you coach. Exactly. Asking for what you want. Yeah. Really, really important. Did you know you can change your leadership trajectory just by understanding your talents and what areas you need to improve? Would you like an easy way to find out where you are in your leadership and career development? Here's how you can. I've designed a simple four-minute career and leadership quiz that will help you. And as one of my listeners, you can get it for free just by going to careerdevelopmentquiz.com. Once you complete the confidential quiz, you'll get your score and suggestions immediately. Plus, you may even qualify for a free coaching session with me. So just go to careerdevelopmentquiz.com and fill out the quick quiz. In your book, you talk about self-awareness. Can you um, talk more about what that is and how, how that can help us notice our strengths and our weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Well, self-awareness is one of the emotional intelligence competencies. Uh-huh. And emotional intelligence is what differentiates high performers from those who are just good. Many, many studies have been done by Goldman and others to find out what are those competencies that differentiate people. Mm -hmm. And self-awareness is knowing when you're effective and when you're not. When you're making a difference, when you're building relationships, when you're stepping on people's toes. And to be self-aware, it requires paying attention to the other people. So sometimes you'll meet someone who's so in their head, they're talking about what they do, what they care about, their project. They don't notice that the other people in the room are looking at their phones, their watches, they're bored to death. So if you're not paying attention to other people, then you don't realize that you're missing important cues. 
And then thinking about where have I made mistakes and reflecting on that. Why didn't that project work when I led it? Why do people leave my team to go to others? And doing some reflection. And often, if you do a 360 assessment, it helps you get that feedback if you haven't quite identified what you're missing. So when you're getting that feedback from other people, what's the best way to receive it? Especially if it's something a little uncomfortable that we're finding out. With curiosity and openness. Mm -hmm. So I always thank the person. I think of feedback as a present. And if someone gives you a present, you don't say, oh, that old thing, I don't want that. You say, thank you. That's lovely. I really appreciate that you gave me that feedback. And are you okay giving me some examples so I can better understand what you mean? And could you help me work on it? Because that's a wonderful thing. When somebody sees a blind spot for you, it's often a competency that they have. And getting them to help you with it makes them feel good and helps you improve. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And getting somebody to give you the feedback and then asking them to help you. Now you've got an ally. You've got somebody that's um, going to help you to be successful at this thing that you need to improve on. I really like that a lot. So you talk in your book about moving from knowing to doing. Tell us more about that. Well, I get a lot of coaching engagements where they say, we want you to do a 360 on this client so they can know what to work on. But we don't want to do any ongoing coaching. And I tell them that there are three steps to behavior change. The first is awareness. So knowing that there's something that isn't working for you that you should change. The second is commitment. Some people know it, but they don't care. But those two are fairly small. The third is behavior change and practice, practicing a new skill over and over again. And for many people, they don't know how to do that. Don't you find a lot of your coaching is giving people tips and practices and things they can try so that if one of the things they do is interrupt people, you have them pause or count to 10 after the person finishes speaking before they speak. Or one of the things I'll do is I'll have my client write down the names of the people in the group. And every time one of them speaks, they put a tick mark and they don't speak until everyone else has had a chance to if that's the issue. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a really good tip for a, a lot of people. And so that practicing is really important and having a skilled coach like us give them things they can practice is critical to them being able to make the behavior change. Right, and, and I find that it's useful with managers with them wanting to improve their um, direct reports to remember if, if there's a gap or if something they're not, the person isn't doing, they probably don't know how to do that. 
and they need some help understanding how to make that happen. That's a good point because that manager probably has that as a strength exactly. and think everyone else should be able to do it. So a lot of people are unemployed right now and um, the times are, of course, very challenging. What's a way, if you're unemployed, that you can take advantage of that time to grow yourself or grow your strengths? What would you suggest? Well, I would think of three things. One is some online learning. You can learn anything online and much of it is free. So figure out what skill you want to develop and work on that. The second thing is to apprentice yourself. So if you think, for example, that you might like to work in flower in a florist, ask them if you can work there for free a couple of hours every day. It builds your self-esteem and you learn new skills. And then the third is to volunteer. So many organizations are looking for help. And in volunteering, look for the kind of work that you would like to do and the kind of organization that you would like to work for. Because you can build a wonderful relationship with that organization when they see how much you care and how good you are at whatever task you're assigned. I like all of those suggestions. And one of the things I've found is that a lot of, if you are applying for a job and let's say you volunteered someplace for the last six months, nobody knows if you were getting paid or volunteered doing it. So you can say, I worked for X company or, you know, I did this work there. Um, so it's a great way to build your resume if you're new at things or if you want to develop some skill that you don't have yet. And it builds your self-esteem. Yes. Builds your so whether self-esteem. you do it for a nonprofit or you do it for your church or synagogue, it doesn't matter as long as you're building the skills. And I think when we help others, we feel better about ourselves. Yeah, I really think that's true. So we're just about done with our interview. Are there any last words of encouragement that you would like to give to the people listening? To believe that there is juicy work for you and to not give up. That the only thing that stops you from finding juicy work is you. And goodness knows I made many, many course corrections, different companies, different roles, And I never gave up until I found just exactly what my juicy work was. That's, that's wonderful advice. And um, I really appreciate you being on our show today. And I hope everyone listening either has juicy work or will take an opportunity to find juicy work after hearing your wonderful interview. Thanks so much, Sandy. Thank you, Sabrina. You're welcome. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brom, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. 
For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.